we all have the same number of hours per day, you know? And so what we've found is we have to be very careful with how we spend our time and then be really cautious about what activities we're taking on and to be able to juggle between wanting to spend time with our family versus spending time in our uh, WTUs and then spending times on our business, you know, because we want to be the best in all different aspects. We want to make sure that we are, are, you know, doing well in our WTUs. We want to make sure that we're spending the time with our families and not getting caught up in building the business. You're listening to Ice Cream with Investors, a podcast that is dedicated to teaching you how to better invest your money so that you can live a more intentional life. I'm your host, Matt Four, and it is my goal to teach and empower you to remove the roadblocks to your financial success. Today we have on Eileen Pratt. She is the co-founder of Bonavest Capital, and her focus is on investing in multifamily syndications and is on the path to creating financial freedom for her family and two young children. She is also host of the show, How Did They Do It?, a daily real estate podcast. Today, we're going to talk to her about multifamily investing, but also how she balances building a real estate investing business and juggling family commitments. So I'll just stop there and say, Eileen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Matt. Absolutely. Well, we like to start off with the difficult questions here. What's your favorite ice cream? I would have to say my go-to favorite ice cream is probably chocolate. (laughs) Okay. No flavor to it, just chocolate? Just straight chocolate? If I really want to indulge, it would be the fudge brownie chocolate. <laughs> okay. Okay. Do you have a favorite place that you get the fudge brownie or? Uh, not especially. We'll just grab it from, from you know, the supermarkets or something like that. I'll just grab like, like the Ben and Jerry's one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it. So the question we typically ask folks is toppings or no toppings? Uh, no toppings. Okay. Just a straight chocolate fudge brownie girl. Yep. I like it. I like it. So tell our listeners, what's the scoop? What do you do today? Uh, so today, me and my husband, we, you know, we're still in our W-2 jobs. Um, I focus, I'm, I'm in the aerospace industry and finance. And then also we do real estate investing on the side as well. So I'm focused on multifamily syndications. We've invested passively and also actively as well on both the limited partner side and the general partner sides as well. That's awesome. Well, I typically like to go to where your real estate journey began, but I'm doing my research on you. You have a very interesting backstory. And I kind of want you to share a little bit about some of your family history and backstory there. So a little bit about my back history, my family, my parents came from Cambodia. They were immigrants, you know, were refugees escaping from a genocide that had just happened. So the country was in war. They lost a lot of family members. And so it was a really difficult time for them to transition from, you know, a place where they they knew and found as a home to somewhere where they were completely new to, they didn't have connections. They didn't have, you know, understanding of English language. They didn't really, um, you know, they had to build everything up from the ground up basically. And so, you know, with a lot of perseverance, hard work, and just a lot of grit that they've had, they were able to build up a secure financial lifestyle for themselves and to impart a lot of great knowledge about finances, how to save, um, you know, how to put in the hard work and the time and making sure that you got the education to set a really strong, strong foundation for yourself. So that like, if anything happens, you know, you're always secure because I think that coming from a situation like that, the main thing for them is to make sure that you and your family are safe and that you have enough security, you know, in case something happens. Absolutely. Were they, were they involved in real estate at all? Or what did they do when they immigrated here? 
Yeah. So when they first came here, they were doing very odd and jobs. You know, my mom, she worked in a cannery. Um, my dad, he did a lot of like, um, she did some electrical work and everything like that. So it was, they didn't get, you know, real estate takes a little bit of time. They didn't have the education, they didn't have the know-how with real estate. It wasn't until later in life that they actually got more involved in real estate. So they, um, you know, eventually started doing like single family homes, duplexes, uh, triplexes, fourplexes, and stuff like that. So we got introduced to real estate and what passive income could do. Yeah. And how did they view when you first started your investing journey, um, kind of taking a quote unquote risk and in investing in real estate and things like that? Was it, was it, were they fully supportive or were they a little nervous about it? What did that look like? Yeah. So it's, um, we always go back to wanting to get the education standpoint. So from where they're coming from is like, you know, really make sure that you're understanding whatever you're getting yourself into, make sure that you know it, that you're minimizing as much of the risk as possible. So they already know that real estate was, is a really great place to create wealth, to create, um, you know, foundation for yourself, um, passive income in case something happens um, another stream of income. Um, and so when we got into multifamily syndications, that was something very different for them because they didn't understand what it was, even ourselves too. It was a very new concept because, you know, when you're thinking about investing in, more than five plus doors, getting into multi-million dollar deals. Typically, normal people don't get into these types of investments and a lot of people don't know about it. And so a lot of nobody in our network really had any experience with it. So it was a new concept that we were introducing to them. So how we approached it was, you know, we're studying this. We're reading a bunch of books. We're listening to great podcasts like Matt's here and really just understanding and trying to understand like what the model is, what the model is, how does it work? And um, is it something that we would be comfortable investing in ourselves? Yeah, absolutely. And with the plethora of information there is available these days, I mean, it's a lot easier than it certainly was. And I've heard you say on previous shows too, that, you know, when you look at these big apartment complexes or big office buildings and things like that, it's only the big banks that could own those. But really, if you realize you can syndicate and pool resources and go do those together, but your journey in real estate didn't start with syndications, if I remember correctly, is that right? Yep. That's how right. Did, we didn't start. Yeah. How did your journey begin in real estate? So we actually started with single family because, you know, within real estate, we did what we understood, what we were familiar with, which is typical, the typical single family. Um, what we also were going to start with was investing, you know, in our locally in our backyard, because not a lot of people will have experience with investing out of state, at least in our network. Right. And so what we did was when we tried to look in, cause we live in California, it's really expensive out here. Um, you know, the cash flow isn't really there and it was really difficult and really competitive to get into the market from where we were looking for. Um, so we started asking around what other people were doing. We started, when we just started doing more research, we found that you can invest out of state as well. And so that took a little bit of a mindset shift too, because it was a big change from actually driving to the property, seeing it, being able to visit it whenever you want versus going out of state, going, see, go, uh, managing a property from, you know, all the way from California, not having the connections out over there and trying to figure out that whole entire process. Um, but we ended up partnering and finding um, a couple of turnkey properties that we got into that was minimal um, management on our end. So we worked directly with property managers and stuff like that. And that's kind of where we got started with was the single family turnkeys. Was your, um, so before you went turnkey and out of state, did you ever mm -hmm. buy anything in California? Yeah, well, we bought our own 
like single family homes or our own personal residence. And at that time, when me and my husband, um, we had, we were, I was pregnant with our first son. We had actually moved in with our family to get some additional help, um, and then rented out our own home to um, to renters as well um, while we were getting some help. Yeah. What What did the numbers look like on that? Because I'm I'm just curious. You know, I don't know when that was five, ten years ago, but I'm just interested. What are the numbers on that? Yeah, it's not very high at all. Our main concept at that time wasn't to create cash flow. It was just rented out so that we can cover the mortgage. That was our main thing. And so we ended up, you know, making a little bit on top of that. Um, but it wasn't, you know, we weren't going to retire anytime soon with that. Yep. yep. So um, you decided that you want to go out of state and you started looking at turnkey providers. So could you maybe tell our listeners first, what what is a turnkey provider? How does that differ from just buying a, a single family unit? Yeah, sure. So the turnkey, um, what it is, is, you know, there's a company out there who has these properties that you can purchase from. And so they work with other companies who rehab the properties. So basically they have a, either you can purchase it with a tenant in place or a tenant in place at closing. And so um, basically that's what we did was uh, we worked with this company to, you know, purchase a couple of turnkeys so that when we went in, there was minimal management on our side. Everything was already done. The tenant was in place at the time of closing. Um, so we didn't have to worry about putting somebody in place. The property manager was already there. Um, now it was just communications on a monthly month basis with the property manager and making sure that, you know, the ten- the rents are paid on time. Um, the property has, uh, the tenants have what they need. Um, and then just the communications with the property managers, but we didn't have to deal with the tenants directly. What Where was that market? Any curiosity? St. Louis. Okay. Did you only buy one there? Or did you buy multiple? Yeah, we have a we we did a couple, but then now we only have we just have the one. Gotcha, gotcha. And do you mind saying uh, the name of the company? Because I know there are def- another a different uh, providers out there. Um, it was with uh, Marco Santarelli. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And then what was the experience like? Because I've I've kind of steered folks that way if they don't want to mm-hmm. rehab properties or their market's too expensive and things like that. But I personally never purchased one turnkey. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what was the experience like? Yeah, it was really great because um, they you have a, a, a representative that's working with you. And so mm-hmm. you're in contact with them the whole entire time. And the process was really great. Him, him and his team you know, were very accommodating and um, they were, I felt like they were looking out for your best interests as well. And so you have like different strategy conversations. Um, if there's any issues, you know, they would definitely work with you on that. And so, um, you know, I've heard some other, you know, maybe not so great stories about other prop uh, other companies for turnkeys, but he was a really, really great resource for us. Yeah. I, I live in Nashville here and Memphis is a big market for turnkey rentals. And there's a company out there called Memphis Invest. And I mean, from a numbers perspective, they look pretty decent. They're cheap compared to the the uh, Bay Area or the West Coast. And ROIs don't look terrible. I mean, they've gotten a little bit constricted as most things have over the past couple of years here. Um, but the idea that you can have a dilapidated house already be renovated and a tenant in there, and they're going to manage it for you is a nice, easy way for people to get involved into to single family real estate. So you didn't stop there though. Going down this journey, you acquire a couple turnkey properties. What 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 happens next? So from there, you know, we were kind of doing the calculations because um, we were trying to figure out a way. How do we supplement? you know, my husband's or both of our incomes in the event that something happens to our jobs. Um, you know, we were just starting a family and everything like that. And so um, we really wanted to have that security again. Um, so we were looking for different ways. And it was it when we were doing the calculations for single family, it was just 
quite a number of um, doors that we would have to purchase in order to meet that financial goal. And so we're like, okay, well, there might be a better way. There should be a, there must be a better way to kind of do this, to kind of get us to that goal faster. And so as we were like talking to other people, the term syndication came up and we're like, well, what is that? And so that's when we started like looking into it. And the more we studied and we understood what syndication was, it started to make sense and it aligned more with our personalities and the goals that we wanted to reach. Um, and so before we got into too many turnkeys, we decided to shift our focus into multifamily, um, you know, and a lot of people do great in, in single family homes and that's their personality and it works perfectly for them. But just from our personalities and what we are trying to accomplish financially and then personally as well, you know, the multifamily syndications um, kind of suited our, what we were looking to do better. Yeah, I think we have a very similar journey because I started down the single family route as well. I picked up seven properties in and around the Nashville area. Things were going well. And then somebody told me, hey, what is your, what's your number? What are you trying to get to? What is your financial freedom number? And I told them what it was. And they were like, okay, divide that number by $200. And that's how many homes you're going to need. And after I was done counting my hands, my toes, my ears, any, any, anything I could, I realized that that was a big number. So I decided to switch into multifamily and syndications as well. Um, so are you, did you invest in any syndications as an LP beforehand or like, how did you start getting involved in the syndications? Yeah. So, um, it kind of, well, I'll take a step back first, um, because, you know, as we were trying to create the passive income, it was, um, I think when we really started looking at it, when my son, like I was telling you that we just started our family and everything like that. And with our son, we realized like how precious this time was. Um, to be spending with him. And so because we worked with our W2 jobs and everything that it was, um, you know, we were we both worked very far from work and it was a long drive and everything like that. So we were wasting a lot of time driving back and forth. And so it was taking a lot of time away from our son. And so that was a, kind of the reason why like the multifamily syndications or real estate in general was a really great option for us um, because we were able to um, invest in something and we were able to, you know, depending on your goals and what you're looking to do, you can either be actively or you can, you know, be a passive investor. And with multifamily syndications, what we did first was we did passive investments because we wanted to understand the model. We wanted to partner with somebody who was familiar with it, who was going to be, well, where we felt we trusted to, you know, be good stewards of our capital and then have that, what we call like mailbox money. Um, we're not doing any of the operations. We're not touching anything, but at the same time, we're benefiting in getting the cash flow on a month to month basis. And, you know, at the same time, learning on what, how they're operating. Yeah. As my um, syndication journey has grown and I've invested in more syndications, it really is a hands-off way to get involved in real estate. I remember you can get better returns on single family if you're managing it yourself and you get a lucky tailwind in the market. But ultimately, if you partner with good operators, not only do you have to not do anything, they're probably getting the tailwinds of operating a good business as well and increasing that NOI. You mentioned that you were with partnered with a couple good operators. Have you gone full cycle on any of those deals? So have you invested on the beginning and then they sold the property and you've gotten your money at the end of it as well? Not yet, but we just recently received an email from one of our, actually two of our deals that they have just signed the PSA and they will be going full cycle by end of year. So we are super excited about that. Nice. Nice. Congratulations. When is, um, how long did that process take for those? Less than two years, surprisingly. Wow. So we were really excited because, you know, when we invested in this, we knew it was going to be, um, you know, the business plan was five years, five to seven years. 
to be able to go full cycle in two years and get your money back and plus a return on the appreciation side of things, you know, that's, that's a win for us. How did that match up to the expectations that they had put out there when you first invested? Well, what they projected to us was, you know, I feel like when we did our underwriting and we looked at the deals, it was a conservative look. And so um, our model and what it kind of aligned with theirs is, you know, they want to under promise, but over deliver. And so that's what happened is like they, you know, we looked at a standard, a basic foundation that we were looking at that met our minimum goals. And we knew that there was going to be potential upside to there, but we didn't know like how much it was. And so they definitely exceeded what they had promised. Yeah. And then as far as somebody that's never been in a syndication before, what's like the communication like? How did you get updates on the property? Can you help us understand a little bit about what that looks like as well? Yeah. So when we were starting with our syndication, when we start, first started our first passive investing with the syndicator, it was a lot of a, it was a big mindset shift because first of all, you're investing with somebody that you might not have met, like, you know, possibly in person, but at the same time, you know, we had a lot of conversations with other people as well. And we had a lot of conversations with the sponsor with themselves and then trying to figure out, you know, do their goals align with our goals. And so, you have those conversations up front and you have that feeling, that gut feeling and wanting to make sure that everything aligns to what you're, what you're, what you're looking for. And you're doing your proper due diligence on the sponsor, on the sponsor themselves prior to investing in a syndication, because, you know, it's a lot of money that you're investing. It takes a lot to save that amount of money or however much you're going to invest, no matter what amount of money you're going to invest, it takes a while to save it, you know, like you never want to lose money. And so the more due diligence that you can do upfront will save you a lot of troubles and headaches down the road, because you never know how long you're going to be in this syndication for, right? We just got lucky that we've gone, we're going to be going full cycle, you know, within the two year timeframes, but you could be in here for like five, seven, 10 years, depending on how long the business model is. Right. Yeah, and it, so, yeah, it is definitely a mindset shift. I remember wiring the money to a stranger that I had met on the internet and had a few conversations with to buy an apartment complex that I had never seen before. And it, it, it was tough, right? But I think where there's risk, there's reward. And at a point, you have to get over that mental hurdle and put yourself out there knowing that you could lose, but ultimately you'll learn. And I, I just want to give a shameless plug to your website. You actually have a checklist to, on, on due diligence out there that I read through. And it's a fantastic starting point that, hey, if you're going into an operator and you've never met them before, what questions should I be looking for and at questions I should be asking? I would encourage our listeners to go there and check that out, which we'll link in the show notes. I want to switch gears, though, on you a little bit and talk about the fact that you have a daily podcast, you're a W-2 employee, you have two children, and you're trying to build a investment business. And I've got to ask, how in the world do you do all of that? It's a lot of work, I'll tell you that. But at the same time, what has been one of the biggest blessing for us is that we have a lot of help too. We wouldn't be able to do this if we didn't have our family and support helping us when we need it with the kids and everything like that, because it does take up a lot of the time. And to be able to have that support from family is that's the biggest thing that has been, that has allowed us to actually do what we're doing. Um, and the other thing is we all have a certain number of hours. We all have the same number of hours per day, you know? And so what we've found is we have to be very careful with how we spend our time and then be really cautious about 
what activities we're taking on and um, to be able to juggle between wanting to spend time with our family versus spending time in our WTUs and then spending times on our business, you know, because we want to be the best in all different aspects. We want to make sure that we are, are, you know, doing well in our WTUs. We want to make sure that we're spending the time with our families and not getting caught up in building the business. And so what we've been able to do is, you know, we would wake up early in the morning before the kids would wake up. We would have to, after the kids go to bed, you know, we have a couple of hours to ourselves um, where we can focus on the business. And sometimes me and my husband, we have to take turns like on the weekends, if there's something that he needs to take care of, you know, we'll do like time blocking. And so I'll be like, okay, well you take two hours, one hour, whatever, however long you need. And I'll take the kids and I'll watch them while you focus and just focus on the tasks that you need to complete. And then afterwards we'll switch or we'll spend time with the kids, you know, um, but be really present in whatever we're doing. Um, that has been like, I think the biggest helper for us to be able to focus and get our stuff done. Yeah. And, and since you brought it up, you're, I mentioned co-founder at the beginning, cause you co-founded uh, Bonavest with your husband. How have you all come together as a team? Because were both of you on board with real estate going into this or talk me through a little bit of that. Yeah. So it was more um, me who was, I mean, he always knew real estate was a great avenue to get into, but I think I was more passionate about it. And when I, when I found, when I discovered syndications, I was like, this is it. This is what we were looking for. And so he was like, okay, yeah, I think, I think it's good, you know? And so he was always supportive of what I wanted to try out. And so he was always learning, but I kept pulling too. I'm like, okay, you got to read this. You got to listen to this podcast. And the more and more he got into it, the more and more he started to like it as well and started to really find passion in it and, and really enjoy it um, as well. So now it's been really great because we are both able to bring in our strengths um, to the table in order to help us both achieve it much faster. Yeah. Are there any tips for how you had that conversation? So you both knew it was a good idea, but you might've been a little bit more excited about it on the front end. Any tips you would offer listeners on how they can have that conversation with their partner or spouse or significant other? Yeah. So I think it's just like a, a kind of a gradual thing as well, because we, we talk about finances too. We're very open about like talking about finances, but then also being clear on what our goals are and trying to understand like where it will where do we want to be down the road, you know, and how are we going to get there? And then we, we outline, you know, we talk about like different streams and how we're able to, what, the different paths that we're able to take in order to meet those goals. And so we would just, you know, have an open conversation about like, well, we want to do this, we want to do this, you know, and then these are some of the things that we can do over here. But, you know, if we do this, maybe it'll get us somewhere faster, you know, or we like to do this a little bit more. And so it's just having that open, open conversation. And, you know, things change over time too. It's not just like a one-off conversation. We have multiple conversations over time. And then that has allowed us to, you know, stay on the same page um, as things are shifting around. I'm smiling. And the thoughts that are going through my head is I see so clearly where I want to be in 20 to 30 years, but so unclear on the different paths that could get you there. Cause you could take multiple different paths and end up at the same direction. And I think it's important to have somebody that holds you accountable. You can have conversations with, you can spitball with and things like that. And maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a coach or something like that, but that is very, very critical in your long-term success. In my opinion, I want to ask another question is, do you have, do you have any project management tools or anything you do you have to keep like life and business and W2 and kids activities on track? Well, we found to be the best tools that have helped us keep everything organized. It's pretty simple, but it's using like our Calendly and our calendar because now we just put everything in there, appointments and everything like that. And so it keeps us 
all on the same page and remembering because if I write things down, it, I will, I will forget, <laughs> you know, but if we put on the calendar, um, I'll put on his calendar, I'll put on my calendar, you know, um, and so then that we can always check on each other on where everything is going. And then also um, from a business side of things, you know, we do use, we, we've been trying to use out Asana a little bit more from yeah. a project management tool to kind of, you know, keep track of the flow of everything. Um, and then we also use Excel as well to help us with um, organizing tasks. Yeah, I might cut this part, but I'm on this big track of, or this big uh, path of learning Notion, which is mm -hmm. kind of like an Asana, but there's different things you can plug into it. You can share with other people so they can see tasks and things like that. So how have you kind of helped uh, adopt Asana? Because I feel like a lot of my work is in my head and it's mm -hmm. hard to bring somebody else into your head to know what you're thinking and seeing and things like that. So how have you overcome the barrier of adopting Asana? Somebody told me a, a quote that was like really great was, um, you know, your head is for creating ideas, not holding them. And so whatever ideas that we have, we'll just start typing it in there, whatever it is. And then we'll, you know, figure out a way to organize it later, but just putting it on paper, getting out of your head. I think that's the big first step. Yeah. I mean, that's why journaling I think is so important is because your brain is meant for processing, not to be a file cabinet and I'm in it. So it's, it's a processor, <laughs> not a, not a hard drive. And, um, when I started journaling, I noticed all of these like subconscious weight and ideas that I was holding in my head that when I put it out on paper in the morning, all of a sudden I thought more clearly and I could see things a lot better. Whereas when I didn't do that, even though I never knew those ideas were there or that I was thinking about it, they were clouding up my mind and my vision. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, this has been fantastic. I want to switch us now to the last five questions. We're calling these the five toppings. Um, our first one is what is your favorite book or what is something that you've read recently that's given you a paradigm shift? Yeah. So the first, especially in real estate, what shifted the whole entire trajectory of our business and what we were trying to do. The first book that I read that I still find absolutely helpful today is Joe Fairless's um, Best Ever Apartment Syndication book. That has a ton of great resources that I always go back to and reference. Have you ever taken his training? I've heard a lot of people reference Joe, but I've never like taken any of his training or read the book. Yeah, he, he's, he's great. I, I, would, I would highly recommend it if you haven't checked him awesome. out. Awesome. Our next one is, I believe the person that you become 10 years from now is directly correlated to the things that you do every day. What are some of the things that you do every single day? I think one of the things that I do every single day, or at least I try to practice every single day now, and I found to be very helpful is practicing gratitude because sometimes we kind of get caught up in wanting to achieve our goals and everything like that. But if every day we just say one or two things that we're grateful for, um, I think that kind of keeps us grounded and kind of keeps us reminded of, you know, why we're doing what we're doing. Yes. Good Lord. I cannot agree more, um, with that statement. Um, our third one is what's the best piece of advice you've ever received. Somebody had told me also was focus on the who, not how of getting things done because you don't always know how to get things done, but you might know who you can reach out to, to help you achieve whatever you're trying to achieve. Yeah. That is one thing my coach tells me every single week is who, not how figure out who can help you do it. Not how you're going to do it. Cause you don't need anything else on your plate. Our fourth one is what's the thing that you're most proud of in your life. It ha would have to be my family. Um, you know, never expected to have two great children, a great husband and everything like that. And so I attribute it to, you know, doing good in our lives and wanting to project that and attracting great people into our lives as well. And so I'm so super grateful to have such a great family and support around me. How, how old are your kids again? 
Uh, one is almost three and the other one is going to be turning one soon. Oh man. <laughs> that stresses me out. Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> Do you have any kids? No, no. <laughs> and maybe one day, but uh, I don't know how you balance it all. Our last one is if you could sit down and eat a bowl of ice cream with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? It's kind of funny, but it would have to be my like son because he's three years old, but when he sits down with a bowl of ice cream, you just enjoy it so much more because of how much he's enjoying his ice cream. And it kind of reminds you of, you know, just appreciating the little things in life. And it doesn't have to be like a grand goal or anything like that, but just that little bowl of ice cream makes him so happy. And so just seeing him happy makes me happy too. Yeah. What is he uh, a fudge brownie chocolate as well, or, um, he likes vanilla <laughs> vanilla. <laughs> Oh no, we're going to have to introduce him to uh, all of the worlds of different ice creams out there. Yeah, I, yes, he does. <laughs> awesome. Well, Eileen, if if our listeners want to reach out and learn more about you and what you're doing over at Bonavest, where's the best place we can put uh, point them? Yeah, so they can, like you mentioned, they can go ahead and download our uh, due diligence checklist for passive investors. Um, and then you can visit at www.bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist, or they can just email me directly and reach out. Happy to chat with anybody who wants to. Um, it's Eileen, A-I-L-E-E-N at bonavestcapital.com. Awesome. Well, you're such an inspiration for everything you're doing, not only with the real estate podcast daily, uh, but building a great company and a family member as well. So Thank you so much for being on the show. We'll have to have you back soon. Thanks, Matt. Thank you for listening to Ice Cream with Investors. If you like what we serve you here, it would mean the world to me if you would like, subscribe, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app.